Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you doing on this Tuesday evening? I'm doing well, Cade. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. A little sunburnt, avoided avoided the raccoon eyes, built an entire swing set with my dad this weekend. That's impressive. Um, so shoulders are a little crispy, but we're doing good. <laughs> so you had a good weekend. You were you were vacationing and enjoying your life. Looked like a good time. Yeah, it took a took a little vacation with my wife. We had a, we had a great time. Uh, just a little getaway for a few days. So it was a lot of fun. But glad to be back in Cade. I know. I think you've got I think you've got something you want to get off your chest. You know, one thing that I love about us is that we do not beat around the bush. Our intro is hey, hi, how you doing? And let's get rolling. <laughs> well, we did and just talk week, for like 30 minutes off the yeah, We did. We 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 absolutely <laughs> caught up. You're you're right about that. <laughs> let's not bury the lead. We have some Late breaking news as we hop onto the podcast. I've never got to do this, Dustin. I went to school for journalism, and now I get to break some news live on air, <laughs> and I will do that. Oklahoma State just announced uh, that they will be, at least it appears on social media, that they will be announcing a new football uniform. For those of you who have been following me on Twitter, they did the tweet. They did the uniform <laughs> tweet, Dustin. I thought it was coming, and it finally did. So they're going to un- show them off tomorrow. Is that what it yeah. said on the tweet? So yeah, that will be five ten. Yeah. Okay. So that'll be when you guys are listening to this, it'll, it'll be coming out same day. We'll post the pod later tonight. It's Tuesday night, May 9th. So that'll come out on the 10th, but yeah, big time news. Cade, I know you, obviously, if anybody follows you on Twitter, you're locked in. You had it down to a science of when they were going to release the new jerseys. <laughs> I know you're super pumped. I, you know, I don't, talk a lot about the things outside of the field of football always or get super pumped about it. But I, I do love the jerseys and I love Oklahoma State's jerseys and I love any kind of jersey change reveal. Even if it ends up being bad, the excitement going into the jersey is always fun, the new jersey. Well, that's that's the thing, Dustin, is like I knew it's not 100% up your alley, but I mean, it might as well be Cade Webb Street because it's my alley. And uh, that is one of uniforms. It's not like I'm like every Saturday, like the, the highlight is the uniform. That that might be my wife's opinion. It's not mine. But I do look forward to the uniform reveal. I'm a sucker. I mean, I, I, I grew up on NCAA football where you can customize everything. So this is right up my alley. Um, and Dustin, I mean, I wanted to ask you real quick. What's one thing on the current uniforms that you'd keep and one thing that you'd throw away? Because, I mean, it's the end of an era. We had these uniforms for six years, and, and they're going bye-bye. So you think back to James uh, Washington and Mason Rudolph and to the end with Spencer Sanders, anything you'd keep on this current uniform set? You know, I was trying to pull up the uniform just to, just to get a <laughs> good yourself. glimpse. You know, I... Kate, 
I don't love the Paisley on the neckline. It's never, never really have. been one of my favorite things, the pattern on there. It's, I mean, there's not even really like Paisley's on it. It's just kind of a Paisley looking pattern with other symbols. I don't love that. If we're, if we're talking about kind of the overall uniform, like helmets wise, I do love a lot of the helmets. So I would love to keep all of the helmets in rotation. Definitely the curse of Cowboys on this, on the Jersey, the top by itself, I think remove the Paisley. I don't hate the number font. I wouldn't be mad if they changed it, but I definitely don't hate it. I, I don't know, Kate. I, I'm down with, I'm so, down with kind of revamping. What I'm hearing is that you would be comfortable with something more old school, like yes, a more traditional. Yes. The only Oklahoma State football jersey that I own is the Barry Sanders old yeah. school throughout it, my think, entire OSU fandom. So that's the only one I've ever purchased, and it's my favorite one, the orange. Well, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I would agree with you. And I mean, if I, Dustin, I'll just say this I've caught a peek. I think you might be excited. So yes, we'll go with that. And I can't wait for the reveal tomorrow. Uh, I think a lot if of you, people are Kate, going to be didn't catch super peak, fired up. Yes. If you didn't catch a peek, will, will you answer your own question? I would throw the Ed Hardy bandana Paisley print into the ocean. I, I have never really been a huge fan of it. And I, my sentiments are the exact same as yours. I hate, I, well, I don't hate, I do not like the barbed wire number print. I am, I am a traditionalist. I like a simple uniform that you can kind of jazz up with a helmet or accessories, um, <laughs> accessories. I, we're talking football accessories here on this podcast, but my point is I, I simple is better. And, uh, I, I, I think that these are going to be pretty cool. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the reveal tomorrow and uh, looking forward to seeing what people think. And that's kind of where I'm at, kid, with the simple. And apologies to the listeners and to you, Cade. If my jersey takes are just terrible, I'm I'm not the best kind of with the jersey takes. I'm colorblind, so that doesn't help a ton. And I think simple is kind of my go-to. I, my favorite jerseys are obviously, you know, I'm going to say LSU in there. I like the plain. Oh, I like Ohio States. I just kind of like the simple, old school, yeah. not really ever changing. And I'm sorry if that makes me sound like an old grump or something like that, but that's just kind of that's just kind of my style. No, it, it doesn't make you sound like an old grump. I think 10 years ago, the crazy Oregon Ducks, you know, uh, if you remember the stamped metal pattern on the shoulders, that was cool about 12 years ago. And I think things are changing. <laughs> it's okay to make a simple, really badass uniform without doing that. So yeah, uh, agree. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Dustin, we can stop talking uniforms. I'm very excited. It's actually one year overdue. So uh, usually the, you, you I, we said, talked about I, that last year. Yeah. You, you gave me my flowers, which I appreciate. I did have it down to a science. This has gone on a five-year cadence for the last uh, 15 years. And this last season was year six. So, and I think COVID supply chain might've impacted things. But point being, 
uh, tomorrow's going to be a cool day and uh, really kind of ushering in a new era, Dustin transfer portal. Spencer Sanders is gone. No longer your quarterback. There's a lot of new faces really. And even in the big 12, new big 12 teams, it's a good time for a uh, wardrobe refresh. Actually, there's a lot of things that you can point to, to say new era, new Cowboys. So I'm looking forward to it. So Cade, moving on to other news. There's a couple of quick hits we wanted to get through. We won't spend a ton of time on it. Big 12 football, your guy, Brett Yormark, has been exploring some even more younger, hipper, cooler ideas. Mike Gundy confirmed some of these that, that they were true to the Houston Chronicle. And it sounds like the Big 12 is looking to play a football game in Mexico, in Monterey, and then a men's and women's basketball game in Mexico City, along with for football and I think for other sports as well, expanding kind of the broad the broadcast of these Big 12 games with more in-game interviews, whether that be locker room, more coach interviews. Mike Gundy was on Robert Allen's radio show today talking about, I think he was just throwing things out there. I don't know if these were actual ideas, but you know, whether that be, you know, cameras on the bus ride to the game, interviews before the game, in the locker room, things like that. So just kind of interesting, kind of two different things I'm throwing at you right there, Cade. Do you care? Do you have a take one way or the other? My only take before I throw it over to you is I would hate for Oklahoma State to lose a home game to play a game in Mexico. But again, that's just me being selfish. On the other stuff, that's fine. That's cool. Also, I mean, we get it with OSU Max now anyway, Oklahoma State related. I don't really care as much about the other teams. So those are kind of my two takes before I throw it over to you. So, Dustin, you kind of walked me right to it. If Oklahoma State loses a home game to play in Mexico City, I might have beef with it. Uh, You get seven a year, and if you lose one to play internationally, I might have a problem with it. Agreed. I mean... It's I'll say this. I tweeted about this, which I tweet about a lot of things, but I did tweet about this and I do have an opinion. And you asked, I think it's very strange to take away a home conference game for an, uh, a conference team and put it internationally. It happened in Nebraska last year with Nebraska Northwestern. Granted, ton of eyeballs on that game. But is that really what we're going for? I mean, it might be what Brett Yormark's going for. He talked about this in basketball, potentially putting Kansas and Houston their first time they would be meeting as Big 12 opponents in Mexico. So I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, I think especially if you have marquee matchups, that's kind of what college football and college sports is all about. You get that on a home field. That's what you want. That's why it makes it great. And you put it in Mexico. I'm just not the biggest fan of it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like you said, the college football atmosphere of these home games. I don't even really love the neutral site games that much. I, if you're taking away a home game from the fans and they have a great atmosphere, like Stillwater does, like Boom Pickett Stadium does, that's the only thing. I, you know, I wouldn't probably be extremely upset about it. Wouldn't be the worst thing ever if it just happened once every, you know eight years or something like that. But it's definitely something to call out when you're talking about that. And as far as the other, the more interviews in game broadcast expansion, 
like I said, that's definitely cool. We get that with OSU Max. It's just after the game. And OSU Max does a great job. If you guys don't subscribe to that, I definitely would because it, it they put a lot of cool stuff out there, even in the offseason. So I don't know how much that would really change things for me because I don't, I, I'm assuming they wouldn't make the game longer because they're making these rules to make the game shorter. But I, I don't really have a take. I don't think one I way mean, or the other on that. Let me throw you a situation. You, me, Cabo, Oklahoma State football. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Throw Is it all expenses pay? Throw some jet skis in there, and, and I think we have ourselves a weekend. <laughs> I'm fine with going to Cabo with you to watch, to watch Oklahoma State. That's fine. Yeah, I just throwing it out there. It's probably going to be in <laughs> not We can Cabo. record live from Cabo. Yeah, they're oh. saying Monterey. Is what, where it said the football game would we, be. We could stream live from the jet skis. How great would that be? In a helmet. All right. Too far. Okay, <laughs> uh, next. Just wanted to mention this real quick. It's not really Oklahoma State related. but I wanted to call it out because of a recent transfer to Oklahoma State. So Iowa and Iowa State. There's been a gambling update where 20 for so for Iowa, it's 26 athletes and, and a staff member under, under investigation for gambling and 15 athletes at Iowa State that may have the number may have increased. I looked at this earlier today. It sounds like the Iowa Gaming Commission has come out and said it wasn't on Iowa or Iowa State specific sports, so no like tampering, compromising, like what recently happened with Alabama baseball, which led to them firing their coach. Yeah. But there is still, it is still, as far as I'm aware of, if you're an NCAA athlete, you're not allowed to bet on NCAA sports or anything, where any sport where the NCAA is a championship. So... Oklahoma State had a recent transfer from Iowa, wide receiver. He hasn't been named in anything, but football players make up and baseball players make up a majority of the 26 athletes from Iowa. So just something to keep an eye on. We haven't heard anything. We think everything's fine. Just we wanted to call it out since it's kind of Oklahoma State related, but we have no idea who's going to be named in this. We haven't seen any names. Just something we wanted to put on the radar. Yeah. And this is a whole weird era now. I mean, you can gamble on sports on your phone depending on where you live. You and I, Dustin, you technically can't. I'm not, maybe I shouldn't even talk about this, but <laughs> uh, there's, there's red tape and there's right. barriers. Um, you drive north to Kansas and you can bet on all the sports you want. Um, I don't necessarily have an opinion on it and I appreciate you pointing it out, but it seems like the advancement of gambling technology beat the NCAA and maybe the gaming commissions to the punch to where if you're not gambling on yourself, then really what, what's the deal? And has that been communicated? Because my guess is it probably has not. And you probably have a collection of college athletes who maybe didn't know better. And, and I, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt here. I guarantee there hasn't been, well, I guess I can't guarantee, but it would shock me if there is a ton of information going out to all these athletes on exactly what can and can't be done. I'm going to tell you right now, I highly doubt that a, a group of 18, 19, 20-year-olds sat in a room together and said, you know how we can make a lot of money? Let's do something really corrupt and shady. I really doubt that. I really do. And it feels like 
if it's concentrated to Iowa and Iowa State, why is it Iowa? And why is it not kind of more widespread? What's specific about Iowa? That's where my mind goes. It seems like it would be a, uh, you know, maybe the information was not adequately cast down to the compliance offices and therefore into the athletics offices. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because it seems seems weird. Yeah, really odd situation. It's been kind of a hot topic recently on some of the ESPN shows. I saw that earlier today, so I'm sure everyone has heard about it. We just wanted to bring it up since it was kind of a hot topic related to college sports. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Dustin. There's a lot going on. I mean, the Alabama thing, just real quick, is one of the crazier sports stories of our lifetime, and I feel like it's already kind of dead in the water. I mean, gambling on your team live is... I mean, that's some real degenerate behavior. It's definitely, it's definitely something. It's definitely You're, something. It's like that year I faded KU for all those years and went like 10 and two <laughs> faded yourself, baby. Yeah. Our, our old, uh, our old gambling predictions. We were good. Were yeah. We back in the day, not anymore. We're, I mean, I'm bad now, but, yeah, I mean, uh, at any predictions. I don't, well, if I gambled, I would be bad. <laughs> Uh, one quick note, one undrafted free agent we missed last week. It happened after the pod, we believe. Sione C, former Oklahoma State defensive lineman, signed with the Denver Broncos. Again, we'll keep you updated. I looked yesterday. I, I know there were some rookie mini camps over the weekend. I don't think many of them affected Oklahoma State players. So I didn't see a lot of news on guys coming out, but we'll definitely keep you locked in uh, on anything. I know Trey Flowers recently signed a deal with the Atlanta Falcons, former Oklahoma State defensive back. So we'll keep you updated on the NFL news as we're traveling through the offseason. I didn't really have anything else on kind of news, football-related, Big 12-related before we get into football recruiting. Let's see them jerseys. Dustin, let's go to basketball. (laughs) Oh, we're going to football recruiting. Football real quick. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, just a couple quick notes. Coaches are out recruiting, Cade. It sounds like they're looking at a recruiting class of around 22 from the 2024 cycle. They've got seven in the class. I know just to kind of recap where some of the coaches are going defensively, especially Joe Bob Clements has Kansas. Dan Hammerschmidt has Louisiana and some areas of Texas. Tim Duffy will be in the Dallas area in central Texas. Greg Richmond is in Houston. And Nardo will kind of be all over the place, mainly Oklahoma. He'll kind of be out all over. I'm sure he'll reach back out to the Ohio, West Virginia area, stuff like that. So we'll kind of see what's going over there, what he does over there in that Northeast kind of region. But those coaches will be out and about. Like I said, this they've got the seven guys right now, two safeties, a linebacker, interior offensive lineman, running back, an edge, and the tight end from Stillwater, Josh Ford. So we'll kind of see how they level everything out with this recruiting class to get up to that 22-ish, 23, 24-ish number. Along with that, one top five that's notable, Logan Saldate, 2024 wide receiver, 5'11", 185-pound three-star from Palma High School in Salinas, California. He's a number 130-rated wide receiver and number 77 overall player in California. He announced the top five, Arizona, California, OSU, Oregon State, and Washington. We'll kind of see where that goes. I, it sounds like he set up an official visit to Oklahoma State on June 23rd. 
from what I saw from his official visit schedule, it looks like the, that's the last one he has scheduled right now, which sometimes is a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing and it's getting canceled. But if it's the last one you attend, it could be a good thing. I, I think Oklahoma State is in the mix. I, I want to say they're probably going to take at least two receivers in this class. One of those could be Saldate. Kate, I don't know if you've watched any film on him, but he's a guy that can kind of play inside or outside. I like him a lot. I think he's going to finish as a high three-star rating, and I think it would be awesome if Oklahoma State could land him. Yeah, no question. I think I think you want that depth, and especially if they can move kind of all across the line, you would take that, no question. 100%. Uh, three offers real quick. Just hit them real quick. We've got Trey Griffiths. Twenty. They're all 2024. 2024 receiver, 6'3", 205-pound three-star from Keller High School in Keller, Texas. He's a number 84 receiver, number 100 rated player in the state of Texas. Additional offers from Baylor, Kansas, Texas State, Texas Tech, Utah State. He had 865 yards and seven TDs on 32 catches this past season. Not an Adam Lunt special as Keller High School went 10-3 and three and lost in the third round of the 6A state, state playoffs. That took um, me a split second. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's he's a high three star guy. Definitely would be an awesome get. A big wide receiver, along with him, Aiden Glover, twenty twenty four QB, always notable for a QB, six three one hundred ninety one pounds from Collierville High School in Collierville, Tennessee. He's the number sixty QB, number thirty five rated player in Tennessee. Three star. He currently holds offers from Boston College. Houston, Memphis, Northwestern, Tulane, and Virginia. He only played nine games last year. 65% completion percentage, 1,421 yards, 21 touchdowns, and he rushed for another 418 and three touchdowns. He moves well. I think he throws really well on the move. It looked like he was running for his life a lot in the highlight tape I saw. Not a ton of good blocking, but I think the Cowboys take one quarterback in this class. There's a couple guys that they've offered who we talked about on here. I like Glover. I like a couple of the other guys maybe a little bit better, but Glover's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Brett Carroll, 2024 interior offensive lineman, 6'5", 285, not ranked. He's from Olathe East in Olathe, Kansas. Shout out. This is more of a yeah, more of a little known guy. I think his only offers right now are Colorado State, South Dakota State, and Southeast Missouri State. He's a big-time wrestler. Kansas 6A state champ at 285 pounds. He was also the runner-up as a sophomore and placed fourth as a freshman in state. So really good wrestler. I'm sure, you know, Gundy loves the wrestlers. And this, Cade, is an Adam Lunt special. The Hawks went 2-7 and seven last year. So bad team, good player, bad team. And then the last, the last one I wanted to hit is Malik Esquera, 2024 safety, 6'3", 185 pounds, also not ranked from Shoemaker High School in Texas. Free safety, it looked like from his film. He's got Power 5 offers from Nebraska, Texas Tech, and Vanderbilt. So first team, all district, 5A selection as a junior. 68 tackles, two for loss, four interceptions, and a pass breakup. He didn't play very much as a sophomore, which is why I think he's not ranked right now, not rated at all. Someone to keep an eye on. Oklahoma State's one of the first Power 5 schools to get in on him. Definitely somebody that's going to debut as a three-star because we know how that goes. It's about right. Absolutely. Dustin. Hey, that's, that's all I got. Thank you for that. I look forward every week to your recruiting breakdown. It <laughs> seems to be a population 
of similar dudes. I mean, every now and then you get a four and five star, but I mean, Oklahoma State's just panning for gold, and uh, you can't fault them for it. They've made made hay doing it, so it's well, uh, it's always interesting to see the offensive lineman. That's a wrestler on a bad team. Is just that's OSU right there. Mike Gundy didn't even watch the tape. He just heard bad rest or he heard wrestler on a bad team. I'm in. <laughs> Not ranked yet. Yeah, we're yeah. in. We're all yeah. the way. No, he's in. got no. He's got how many stars? Zero. <laughs> that that's a guy out of the four, and I, I do think they have a good chance with Saldate. So I guess the five, but out of the four offers I mentioned, Carroll's a guy I think they could get if they want based on his offers so far and just kind of, you know, where, where he's at in Kansas. And I'm sure he's familiar with Oklahoma state. So we'll kind of see how that one pans out, but I would keep an eye on Carroll for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You, you want depth on the O line for sure. And it seems like we talked about this kind of week over week that they seem to be aware of that, obviously with the walk-ons, but even further than that, it seems like they're really trying to load up depth on the offensive line. Dustin, are we getting into basketball already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got oh. basketball. We I got, think uh, it's craziness in basketball. <laughs> is it crazy good or is it crazy? Who knows? It's crazy. We don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. Who We don't know what's going on. And we will send it to a quick commercial break. And we'll come right back. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the curse of cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. And when you use our promo code FEELS12, you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the feels like 45 podcast. Sent you. Welcome back. Um, we can kick it off with just some quick news. Obviously uh, the transfer portal hot on everybody's mind. That's what everybody's thinking about. At least I don't know if you're like me, Dustin, I think you are, but probably scouring the internet for any sort of crumbs that lead you to a potential transfer portal entrant <laughs> Oklahoma state with a commitment this last week. We'll talk about that maybe here in a little bit, unless we want to lead with that. But I think real quick, I think you put a cap on the high school recruiting class. Yeah. Not number 10 moving up into single digits, Dustin. Yeah. Number eight in the nation, number two in the big 12 behind KU. Basically every Oklahoma State recruit took a, a big jump in their ranking. So 247 released their final top 150 player ranking list for the 2023 basketball recruiting class. And Eric Daly climbed nearly 30 spots to number 33 nationally. Brandon Garrison is up to number 40 nationally, almost 20 spots up. Justin McBride moved up 20 spots as well to number 126. And Connor Dow is the only signee from Oklahoma State that did not make the top 150, but he's still number three 
in the state. So big time movements from the Oklahoma State recruiting class. And, oh, sorry, I missed uh, Jamiron Keller. He rose five spots to number 139. So big time, they move in the top 10. I, I know everything is unsure right now with the transfer portal. Oklahoma State has still has several scholarship spots opened. But I think this is flying a little bit under the radar, Cade. This I, is I think it a big time recruiting class. And I, I wonder if people are just getting to the point where Mike Boynton keeps doing it time and time again, with the exception of really last year when they only brought in Keon. But he's been doing it now for several years. I think people are just kind of maybe getting numb to the fact that his class, his recruiting classes are so good. Well, I think you do have a good point. I actually think it leads us kind of into a topic of conversation. I, I think that the Cade Cunningham year was so good because it was Cade Cunningham. I think this top to bottom is his best high school recruiting class. I even think you could look all the way at a guy like Connor Dow. You just mentioned him, Rose, a few spots. I'm not saying he's going to come in and be, you know, a Lindy Waters but I think that's the vision. I don't know if that's happening year one, but I think that's the vision for a guy like Connor Dow. But you look up the list, a guy like Eric Daly, who you and I have been, you know, a little bit head over heels for. And I've, I've even said he's probably an underrated prospect. His jump shot is very good for a guy his size and playing that position. Going from in the 60s to in the 30s, that's not nothing. That's borderline another five-star guy being added to this class. We talked about Eric Daly in particular as weighing a high school, or I'm sorry, weighing a Oklahoma State or pro route. It wasn't really even another college team. So I think this is a really, really good recruiting class in this era too. I think one, you've got to do it well if you're a, a, a program like Oklahoma State because it kind of leads me into my second point, Dustin. Programs are building through the portal right now. They are, if you're a Kansas, a North Carolina, a Michigan, which take this with a grain of salt, you're getting the McDonald's All-Americans and then building your roster through the portal. Oklahoma State appears to be taking a little bit of the inverse route, building the building blocks with a, with a McDonald's All-American and a borderline five-star. And then filling through the portal guys that can get you minutes and can get you points. A guy like Mike Marsh, who I'm actually maybe higher on than most people. It's just an interesting, you know, flip of the script, Dustin. And I think it's a, it's the way a program like Oklahoma State can do this with the limitations of NIL, which you and I have talked about, I think are absolutely very real problems for Oklahoma State basketball right now. They're losing guys. They're losing guys on the roster because of NIL. I think it's an issue, and it's a good thing that this is the number eight recruiting class in, in, the, uh, in the country in high school because if not, this would look a lot different for Mike Boynton. Yeah, and like, like you just pointed out, that, that may be what Mike Boynton is trying to do, and we'll see how it works out, but continue dominating the high school recruiting, and because you can't compete – at this time, I think in the future, at some point, Oklahoma State agreed. I think doing good stuff with their NIL agreed. going forward and things like that. But you and I don't have the don't know the ins and outs of everything. So you continue dominating the high school recruiting like he has done, and then you take the guys that you think fit in the portal without breaking the NIL bank. And 
it, it may turn out to be a good plan for a school like Oklahoma State and keep them in the mix and in contention and you know want back to the NCAA tournament right. by kind of going this route. We'll we'll see if it works out. I know some of the portal guys he's gotten haven't worked out. Some have. We'll see what works, but I don't I don't hate the idea if if that's what he's going for at least to try it out. Yeah, and and who knows? I'm just pointing out the the correlations here. I mean, I'm just kind of looking at what the data tells me, and that's kind of what it's pointing to. Whether that's the actual strategy or not, I have no actual idea. Um, yeah. But it would make sense. I mean, Oklahoma State is struggling in NIL, Dustin. I'm not. I I don't necessarily know the in and outs, but I I know they're struggling, and it's it's presenting problems trying to recruit in the portal where. You know, it's it's not like they're throwing millions of dollars at guys, but there's there's hundreds of thousands being thrown at guys like, you know, Tyreek Smith. And can Oklahoma State compete with that regularly? I, I don't know. It's very difficult. And I, I could do you and I could do a, a whole discussion on the the politics and the, uh you know, impetus behind NIL and, and how to actually do it well at this time. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Mike Boyne has one job, and it's to build a roster, and he's doing it his way, and um, you can't fault him for it. I think he's doing it the way he has to. Yeah, and he just offered another four-star guy in Jaden Glover in the 2024 class, 6'6", 190, number 21-rated small forward, and number three player in New Jersey from the Patrick School in Hillside, New Jersey. So he's he's continuing to offer these four- and five-star guys, and he's he's landing some of them. So it's, he's going to continue to, I mean, this is a guy, I I, I don't know, Kate, how much you've watched on him, but he looks like he could end up being a really good shooter has a little bit of create for himself ability and his fadeaway jumper seems to be kind of his go-to in the mid range. Hey, I'm fine with a few mid range shots here and there. Bryce Thompson, (laughs) but literally going to (laughs) say Bryce Thompson doesn't do that for you. Yeah, but it's, he's continuing to recruit like this and, and land these guys. So uh just wanted to mention that Glover offer real quick, but I, I love, I love the recruiting class coming in. I love you and I love Eric Daly. We know Brandon Garrison is the one that probably gets talked about a little bit more. We're huge on him too, but we really like Eric Daly. We like the guys like Connor, Connor Dow, Justin McBride, Jamiron Keller. So we'll see how it ends up next year. How many of them get big time minutes where I'm sure Daly and Garrison are at least going to, get some run early to kind of see what they can do. And I think they'll continue to be parts of the rotation, but we'll kind of see, you know, how, how it plays out. It's, it's definitely something that needs to be noted though, the, how good this recruiting class is. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I don't think Oklahoma state's going to be able to throw out a starting lineup with Brandon Garrison starting at your five and Eric Daly starting at your three. But I think you can compete if those guys are coming off your bench. And I think you can be really good. The problem is, the Big 12 didn't get worse. It just got better because it added a one yep. seed. It added literally a one seed in the NCAA tournament to the already best conference in NCAA basketball. So, Dustin, I, I love this conversation. and glad that you pointed it out because, you know, the, the temperature surrounding Cowboy basketball is not the best right now. Yeah. And, Kate, Transfer Portal closes, I believe, Thursday, the 11th. It does. It does. To enter, to enter, you can sign after that, just like the football one. But to enter will be May 11th. So it was opened. It opened March 13th. It'll close May 11th. I think there's now 
two or three million players in there? Not, not really, but there's still a ton of guys in the portal, just like the football portal that haven't committed anywhere. It's just, it's crazy. I'm not sure what's going to even happen to all these players, but we'll see. We know the, the draft withdrawal from the NBA draft is June 1st. So someone would have to have entered the portal already, obviously, and they could still withdraw from the draft and go back to school. You know, we, we know about that said, rule change that happened in recent years. So you said June 1st on that. Yes. I would just say, keep an eye on that date. Yeah, there's still still time. But Cade, going back through all the guys we've mentioned, there's pretty much nobody left (laughs) that either hasn't already committed. And again, I just said there's a million players in the portal. I'm only talking about the guys Cade and I have talked about on here that have been receiving interest, that we've heard of visited, that have been linked to OSU in some way, everyone's either committed somewhere or has knocked Oklahoma State out of their top list or they visited schools that are maybe a little bit smaller than Oklahoma State. We think Oklahoma State's not interested, including a guy we talked about last week and then he committed right after the podcast, Bryant Silabangu from Tulsa. He committed to Arizona State. He visited Oklahoma State, the big guy from Tulsa. But Oklahoma State landed, Kate, you mentioned it earlier, Mike Marsh from Jacksonville. He's played there the last two seasons. He was at Dodge City, Kansas Community College before that. And before that, he was at another junior college. I believe it was in California. But he's got one year of eligibility left. I think you never know. If he, he could probably get a waiver for a second year. But from all I know, he's got one year. 6'11", 240 pounds. He played. He started 22 of 29 games last year, 8.7 points. Or sorry, that was two years ago, 8.7 points, 5.4 rebounds this past season. He started 14 of the 22 games he played in. I believe he had a shoulder injury that knocked him out a little bit. 10.5 points, 4.9 rebounds. This is a back-to-the-basket yeah. big man. And he said in an interview with Marshall Scott from PFB that one of the reasons he chose Oklahoma State is because they're not afraid to throw it into the big guy, in a Tyreek Smith, in a Caleb Boone, in a Musa Cisse. So... The big man wanted to come here to get some big man run. (laughs) Which is interesting because I don't know if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin, but I don't necessarily think of Oklahoma State as the big man school. Like big country, you obviously think of, but beyond that, it's like, we talking Yorinay or or who are we talking about? I think when you're talking about last year's team and the fact that they were, they had one of, or two of a Smith, Cissé or Boone on the court. Right. Pretty much all the time, it probably kind of stands out compared to a lot of other schools who are going a little bit smaller or maybe just running one big guy out there. And that big guy may sometimes even be more of a stretch big guy. So I want to say that's what he's alluding to, but I 100% agree with your point when he said that. I was kind of like, big, they throw it into the big man all the time. And I was like, I guess last year. I guess they tried to, but they didn't really have a point guard (laughs) that could do it all the time. So. If you haven't checked out, I'll give Marshall, our buddy Marshall, a plug here. Because if Absolutely. you haven't checked out his interview with Mike Marsh, he says some pretty wild things in there. Not like like crazy or anything, just some interesting things about him. He said he didn't pick up a basketball until 11th grade. Coaches were always trying to get him to play, but he was more of a football guy. He was just a bigger he said in like seventh grade, he was like 280 pounds or something like that. Just a monster. He was 310 pounds his freshman year at that first junior college. And he 
cut it down. He was 240 last season, which I mentioned earlier. So just a kind of interesting guy. He also said that first junior college he went to was just a absolutely miserable experience. Like one of the, he's he's talking about the facilities there. They didn't have a weight room. Like it's just, it sounded like it was, he said his second junior college was much better, but seems like an interesting guy. And if you've watched this highlights kid, I know you said you like him. I do. He is a, I mean, he put up some points against teams like Duke. And I think at uh, VCU, he's not, I don't think he's a guy to scoff at. I think he's a guy that could come in and score on the offensive side. I'm not sure what all he can handle as a defender. He doesn't block a lot of shots. I don't think he's a big time rim protector, but I definitely think he's a positive on the offensive side. And I think the goal is, Dustin, to have some offensive production coming off the bench at that spot. I mean, Tyreek Smith did some good things. Unfortunately, they were very similar to the things that Musa Cisse did. Active on the glass, active defender, pretty awful offensively. And Caleb Boone, for as good as he was offensively, he was so gifted in that regard and was at times an abomination defensively. So... I think Mike Boynton's doing the right thing here. I truly do. And getting a guy in Mike Marsh to fill the gap. And I I mean, it's not sexy. It's Jacksonville University. So I don't think anybody's going to be fired up about that. But at the end of the day, I think he's, you know, he's shown the ability. He dropped 17 on Duke. I think he can do it. Kyle Filipowski, I think he's coming back. I was going to say he's going high in the draft, but I think he's coming back. The point (laughs) is he's done it against some high level talent. Yeah, and he's a guy that we, you and I, you know, that we talked about how they were receiving interest. Yaren Hassan from UConn was receiving interest. Not a guy who has any experience or anything like that. This is a guy who played two years of JUCO. He's played in what, close to 50 games, if not more than that, at Jacksonville. A ton of experience. And like you said, he's got that 55% field goal percentage. You're like, oh, okay, he's scoring all those right. near the basket. He'll step out a little bit and shoot a mid-range jumper, and it doesn't look that awful. And he honestly put it on the floor a few times and created some space for himself. So th- this is a guy who's very talented on the offensive end, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how much his positivity on the offensive end outweighs the negativity on the defensive end. And again, I haven't completely dove into the film. I'm just talking about the, you know, five minutes of highlight tapes. I was, we were able to find on YouTube. I just, I don't know what he brings on the defensive end yet. So it's, it's just kind of a question mark. No, I think you're absolutely going to take a little bit of a step back with him defensively, but I think you had three really, really good shot blockers. I'm, I don't think the defense has been the issue in Stillwater, Dustin. I think everybody's probably ready for a little bit more efficient offense, um, a little bit more scoring out of the post. I personally am, especially if that's the guy you have coming off the bench. So I get why they did it. I just needed some talking through it, and uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, and Kate, it's it sounds like they may be in a good spot. And I'm not saying they're going to get this guy because he hasn't even visited Oklahoma State yet, but they've got in on Warren Washington from Arizona State, who's I think transferred like six times, but still solid player. He's a seven footer, 225 pounds at Arizona state last year, 9.2 points per game, 6.9 rebounds along with almost two blocks a game. He played in all 34 games and started, or he played and started all 34 games. He played, he was at Nevada before that for three years. He sat out one of those years after a transfer 
but he averaged over 10 points a game in both those years in Nevada and was at Oregon State before that. I know he recently visited TCU and Texas Tech, but he's only considering, he told John Rothstein, he's only considering TCU, Texas Tech, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Memphis, and Michigan. So he's narrowed it down to a list of six, kind of see what happens there. But this is a guy who was on the Pac-12 all-defensive team. He's a, this is a rim protector. Absolutely. A guy that can score as well. But if they land both of these guys, let's let's just say they do. Let's say they land Warren Washington as well. Because yeah. the receiving interest news kind of came out around the same time as the Mike Marsh commitment. So it didn't sound like it was well before. And then they got Marsh and now they're not in on Washington, unless I'm understanding that wrong. But how does that make you feel about Brandon Garrison? Do, do you think that maybe thinks that he needs a year to kind of be a low minute rotation guy and then kind of step into that true role? Or do you think they're just trying to get some big guys in? Cause they literally don't have any right now. I actually think that the plan would be to rotate Brandon Garrison at either the four or the five because and he's, kind of do all three. Yeah. He's, he's got the ability to step out and shoot maybe not all the way to the three point line at the college level, but right now I, he could absolutely play the four and he could probably be your starting four. I think the concern is going to be his physicality at the beginning. Um, so if you come into next year, Dustin, let's just say hypothetically, as you just said, Warren Washington, Mike Marsh and Brandon Garrison. I, I like that in the front court. It's not bad. It's not going to win you the big 12. I don't think, but I think you can get by with that. What I think you're missing Dustin though, is a true stretch four because Brandon Garrison has that, but I don't know how much of that he has. And if you can go pull somebody out of the transfer portal as a grad transfer, you still got two spots to fill. That's the plan. I think they would take a stretch four and a wing and they would call it good. Um, now that puts Warren Washington in a, in a weird situation. So I think at the front court, it's, it's very much what's the next domino to fall. And then, you know, whatever that is, it's going to show you really what the next pick is going to be. Cause if it's to your point, if it's a year from now and daily has a year in the way, Eric daily has a year in the weight room and things like that. He may be able to guard some fours. I know you and I see him as more of a kind of a wing, right. but that's a guy maybe you could rotate in there, but I, I doubt they would want to make that their main I don't guy so. at that spot for next season. So I agree with you. I, I think they are missing that kind of stretch for, and really they're Mitch, they're missing some stretch in general from shooting from the three point line. It's going to be hard to get spacing for a Warren Washington, a Mike Marsh, a Brandon right. Garrison, if, if you don't land another shooter. Javon Small, not really a shooter, more of a scorer and facilitator. In you have one on the roster right now. <laughs> so it's it it's the stretch four, and it's just the the stretchability in general of of taking teams out to the perimeter and making shots. Yeah, Dustin, an Unfortunately, I do believe that the roster is taking the shape of a prototypical Mike Boynton team. And I say, unfortunately, I don't mean it in the way that a lot of people that might've come off. I mean it from the standpoint of, I don't know how offensively gifted they're going to be. I know they're going to be athletic. They're going to defend up the line. They're going to do the things that Mike Boynton teams do. They'll probably do them well, but man, part of me would really love to just see a little bit more Flame throwing, if you will, from the three point line, and Dustin, like you I, I'm and I serious. in rec league, basically. 
don't get me started on my days in the Swinney <laughs> wreck at UMKC, which actually kind of might lead yes, us right great into segue. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to mention Raquandis Mitchell. He is a guard from UMKC. He was at UIC in Idaho before that. He's transferred a couple of times. It was reported that Oklahoma State was in his top four with Arkansas, BYU, and Penn State. But it has since been reported by several Oklahoma media members that Oklahoma State is not actively recruiting Mitchell. So we don't really know exactly what happened there. This is a guy that scored 17.3 points a game. He was all sum- on the second team all-summit. He is a scorer, not really a facilitator, 1.6 assists per game. He doesn't do it extremely efficiently either. Not a great three-point shooter. Doesn't have a very good field goal percentage. I'm, I'm kind of okay, Cade, with maybe them passing and going for somebody else, hoping they have a backup plan, but kind of a weird situation, right? I don't think it's all that abnormal. Um, I've heard some, well, I can't say I've heard this. I've seen this written places that it's not abnormal to see a list of 40 plus schools where let's say maybe 10 of them, 20 of them have actually reached out and the other 20 are maybe an NIL agency, because think about this. Now these kids have agents, Dustin. So what's the job of an agent? Drive up the market value for your client. That is your job. So what drives up the market value for a uh, basketball player in the transfer portal right now? A whole lot of teams showing interest. And I'm not sure that it's actually happening at the clip that it says it is. I think Rayquandus might, might be an example of that. Yeah, that makes sense. And Cade, last note before we move on to baseball, softball, and the roundup. Any chance Musa Cisse returns? He still hasn't landed anywhere. Any chance? What are the chances? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say yes. Um, Not good. And that's our podcast. I don't think it's zero. I'll, I'll say it's not zero. He hasn't landed anywhere yet. I think Oklahoma State's work, they're figuring things out. And I think that there's a possibility that he fills a need next year on this roster and he might, he might be able to do that, whether they figure things out. I know NIL was a factor. It always is. We can, we can honestly just call it out as that NIL is a factor in, in basically all of this. If Oklahoma state's able to bridge that gap, I think they could probably bring him back. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to get him back. It would definitely be, a positive to have an experienced guy that's that talented on your roster. So we'll keep an eye on it. I, I don't think it's super likely. Like you said, it's greater than zero. I don't think it's super likely though. Yeah. But 0.5. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's all we have. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We'll get to baseball and softball and the roundup right after this. All right, Dustin, welcome back. Uh, obviously Oklahoma state baseball really riding a hot streak now. We talked about it last week, winning the games they should against Michigan. And then you come home to East Tennessee State, a sweepable series. We've seen a few of these this year, Dustin, where they didn't necessarily get the job done in terms of the sweep. This week they did, and they scored a lot of runs in the process. Big weekend for the Cowboys. Yeah, it, East Tennessee's pitching was not very good. Not, not taking anything away from Oklahoma State, but... It was a lot of hits, like you said. And kind of the thing we're looking at now, Cade, I know this wasn't a Big 12 series, but Oklahoma State's got K-State and OU left on the schedule. 
They're 11 and 7 in conference, tied with K State. And West Virginia is ahead of them at 13 and 5. Texas right behind them both at 12 and 9. West Virginia still has to play Texas. I doubt they sweep that. That's on the road. So both of those, both those teams have to play. So them beating each other, especially Texas beating West Virginia, will help Oklahoma State a little bit, bump them up. And then K-State, who's tied with Oklahoma State, they play each other. And OU, who's not, not a bad team, I think, they're, I think they're in like the 50s-ish in RPI right now, but they're, they haven't been great this season. They're definitely not as good as they were last year. If Oklahoma State were to go 5-1, and one, let's say they sweep OU and lose one to K-State, the K-State series is at home, OU is in Norman, It'd probably be a little unrealistic to think they sweep OU away, but I think they could do it. If you go five and one, I think you can win the Big 12 regular season. Do I think Absolutely. they'll do that? I, I think they're going to drop a game in each series. I still think they can win them both. But four and two, you're still in the mix. Five and one, you're basically not guaranteeing, but you're really giving yourself a good shot to win. Yeah, the Big West 12. Virginia's got to play six baseball games too. I, I do think yeah. that four and two gets you, man, you need some help, but. I do think it gets you into the conversation, gets you right into the mix. Dustin, I think, though, they're playing some good baseball. The bats are hot again. feels like they cooled off just a little bit, and now they're hot. I mean, 37 runs in two games. Granted, it's East Tennessee State, but 37 runs is 37 runs. Nolan Schubert, two grand slams in one game. I think that they got to feel pretty good about where they're heading against Kansas State in Stillwater this weekend. You, you need to sweep that series. Yeah, anytime you have Rock Riggio named the Big 12 Player of the Week, Nolan Schubert, who you just <laughs> mentioned, who had two grand slams and another home run yeah. in the same game, he's the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week and Collegiate Baseball's national, one of their national players of the week. That's How is that weekend. not player? Uh, like That's like player of the month stuff. Two grand slams yeah. in one game, shut it down. Well, against anybody, that's impressive right. at the college level. Oklahoma State's still not ranked, but they're 21 in RPI. If they were to go four and two and win these last two series, I think you can see them back in the rankings, bumping up their RPI some because K State is also where OU is around that. Like K State's 56 and OU is at 45. Those will definitely bump you up, especially OU on the road. You're talking about getting back into that top 16 seed range, hosting a regional and Depending on how you play in the Big 12 tournament, I mean, who knows? Maybe you could get back into that top eight. I think it would be tough, but if you win the Big 12 regular season, even though the Big 12 is not, you know, the records aren't amazing right now, it definitely puts you in there. And like the batting average has jumped all the way back up to 28th in the nation. I think we were talking like in the 60s a few weeks ago when you said they yeah. cooled off a bit. ERA is still around the 90s, which isn't great, but you've got that strikeout-to-walk ratio at 33. They're still in the top 30 in fielding percentage. This is a team. And, and guys, we're talking about Schubert and Riggio. Guys like Tyler Wolfert and Carson Binge get five hits each on the weekend, and we're not even talking about those guys. David Mindham, right. who's been slumping a little, has five hits. And Marcus Brown with five. You get Nolan McLean back. He gets a double in his first game back at DH, and he's back on the mound. Looked really solid. That is a huge addition back to the lineup. I mean, I, you know, Miola's still out, but I don't know if you, we talked about this. We're big Miola fans. 
with how Wolford is hitting right now and how he's playing third base, I don't really think you need Miola at this time and getting McLean back is big time. Amen. And it couldn't have happened at a better time because I think you have, again, you think they're going to drop two games between the now and the end of the season. I do think now that you have those guys back, gets you to a point where you could perceive a a sweep in both series to win the conference title. I think the pitching, Dustin, is going to be the thing that ultimately is what you look back on this season and think, man, if that could have just been a little bit better. I mean, ERA in the 90s, I think that's what you just said. I, I do think we're going to look back on this season and think that was that was the problem. And unfortunately, I think we were dead on about that week one. Yeah, and yeah, the 90th and or 92nd, I think, in whip as well. So Juwan Arts Brown, though, had a, a little bit of a kind of comeback revenge start this weekend. He looked good. Then Abram gets hit in the face with a foul ball it, on the first game, comes out and pitches the next day. You could tell he wasn't right, struggled a little bit. Brodus looked all right. Phillips got the start uh, in the final game. He looked okay. But the bullpen, Davis looked good. Stevens was good. Like I said, McLean was good. So we'll just kind of see. K-State, not ranked, 56 in RPI, not a good hitting team. So kind of plays to Oklahoma State's favor there, which we talked about the other week with Michigan. They're 198th in batting average. However, they're 63rd in on-base percentage because they're fourth in the nation in taking walks, which is pretty incredible. So Oklahoma State pitchers just need to throw strikes. The pitching has been pretty good. Owen uh, Barima is their Friday guy normally. German Ferrado Saturday. And then you could see Mason Buss on Sunday. Their closer, Tyson Neighbors, is pretty good. And then Ty Rule has been good out of the pin. Some names to watch the plate. Brady Day, Kalen Culpepper, Cash Rugley. The names on K-State's team are wild. And yeah. Roberto Pena and Nick Goodwin are their home run hitters. So some names to watch. Kate and I like to give you some names to watch on the weekend, but... I think Oklahoma State's going to win this series. And every time you and I get hyped up, I feel like they let us down. But with McLean back, I just feel really confident. I'm not going to lie to you, Dustin. As you were going through some of those names, it started to sound like I was thumbing through, you know, my my dad's old baseball cards. Backyard was, baseball? Yeah, I thought <laughs> Daryl Strawberry. I thought Daryl Strawberry was right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, they are some crazy names. I might have spelled some of them wrong as well, but. It'll be it'll be interesting. Kate, what do you think? Prediction on the series when we move to softball? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've got to drop one, right? I mean, just odds would tell you that they're probably not going to win. Good. What would that uh, a sweep here would mean? Ten straight, I think. So it would be six. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I guess if you count East Tennessee, yeah. Which we, we, we do count East Tennessee. Yeah. I think you. I think you would. Yeah, I think you got to bet that they're going to drop one. Just sheer laws of dynamics, so to speak. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes, but Oklahoma State's going to be top of the Big 12 no matter what. Uh, or Sorry, not no matter what. If they win both series, they'll be top of the Big 12 right? somewhere in that 1-2-3 range. That'll be, they'll get one of those seeds going into the tournament, and then we know how they do in the Big 12 tournament. Sometimes, uh, even on down years, they'll win it all, so yeah, we'll kind of see absolutely. how that goes. I mean, they, they could legitimately do it. I mean, Dustin, the bats are, they get so hot at times that, yeah, in a one-game series, which the Big 12 tournament is, you absolutely can can win that thing. No problem.
apparently Robin Ventura has been taking some special emphasis on Nolan Schubert trying to correct, you know, he's been struggling a little bit with the off speed and with the breaking ball as teams started catching on to that after he was batting like 450 at the beginning of the season. And it seems to have paid off a little bit. He's laying off that pitch. He's swinging at it when it's over the plate and getting it in play. So shout out to Robin Ventura and shout out to Nolan Schubert for cleaning that up. Amen. Love it. Awesome. So Kate softball, I don't really want to recap. Yeah, can we I'm more skip? want to talk about going forward? We haven't skipped all year. Can we skip? So OU sweeps. They were tough fought games. Even though I was out of town, got to watch them. I know Cade, you watched them as well, even though you were busy this weekend. Because it's it's Bedlam softball. The attendance, breaking attendance records in Stillwater. The atmosphere looked amazing. Oklahoma State had some chances in a couple of the games. You know, in game one, just too many walks. The pitching kind of let them down there. And Kyra Acock in game two pitches really well. Kind of gives up a little at the end. They make the change to Maxwell. She just doesn't look like herself. Apparently, she couldn't get a good grip on the ball. Couldn't get her hands dry. She's been having some issues with different things this year related to that. And then game three, they lose five to one. Could never just really get anything going with the bats. But they're still number four in RPI because they're they've got the tenth hardest strength of schedule in the league. The bats just aren't clicking at all cylinders like they were, but they did some things against OU. I think there was a triple that Talon Edwards hit. It was the first triple OU had given up all season. When the factor hit the home run in game one on on Jordy Ball, that snapped a 38.2 scoreless inning streak. So it's not like they didn't do anything. This OU team is just a monstrosity on the, on the softball field. But, Katie, they're going into the Big 12 tournament this weekend as the number three seed. They play Kansas on Thursday at 6 p.m. at the Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City. What are your takes on the weekend? And then what do you think is going to happen in this Big 12 tournament? Yeah, I mean, it was a um, a really disappointing conclusion to that series. Friday night, you're up 3-1. to one. Granted, 3-1 to one against OU in the third inning. It's not like, yeah, you're you're – you're sailing high. I think you still had to buckle down, and obviously that game happened the way it did. I think Saturday, Dustin, you and I talked about this last week. It was the – you needed one. You needed one out of that series to feel pretty good about the way it went, and Saturday was the one that they had to have. That was a a backbreaker, and then Sunday, you know, OU is the buzzsaw that they are, and uh, Dustin, I, I, I don't know how Oklahoma State overcomes their – Pitching woes again, similar to baseball. I think Kelly Maxwell, you know, has has done some really good things at times this season, and she's obviously struggled. Uh, we had a question a couple weeks ago: Is she the best athlete on campus at the time? I said absolutely. Right now, I think she's struggling, but that's okay, and it happens. But I I, I think it's going to impact Oklahoma State to the point where they're they're probably going to fall short. They were swept by OU. They were swept by Texas. I think they're very clearly the number three team in this conference right now. Yeah, I'm hoping – this is what I'm hoping, Cade. The Thursday game against Kansas, they swept Kansas earlier in April. They scored seven runs, five runs, seven runs. I know that's not an insane amount of runs, but those are good scores. Those are near run rules in every game. Uh, You know, if not the 7-5 game, obviously, but they're getting up to that run rule area of the eight runs – if they can get the bats going against Kansas, I expect Texas to beat Texas Tech in their game. So they would be matched up against Texas, who swept them earlier this year on what I 
I thought was one of the weirdest series I've ever watched. <laughs> they out hit Texas in those games. One of them was a walk off home run, three run homer to win the game. There was another right. walk off in that series. Right. All that to say, I think they're going to be juiced up to play Texas. If they can get past Kansas, get the bats going a little bit. If they beat Texas, then you get another matchup with OU. That's going to bump your RPI up, beating Texas, beating Kansas, and even just playing OU again. I think they got to make it to the finals to try to stay in the mix to host. I mean, if Kansas knocks them out, maybe they're not even hosting a super, like, I mean, hosting the regional. You know, do they get knocked out of the top 16 if they lose to Kansas in the first round? I know that's no a way. scenario. No if way. They, if, they, if they get to the final game again and if they, somehow they can win it like they did a season ago, then you're in the t- I think then for sure you're in the top eight, especially with that four RPI right now. I don't so, think. Yeah. They can, do, they can make some moves positively, I believe, in this tournament this weekend, even if they don't win at all, just making it to that final game. I, I agree with you. I don't think the line is that thin, though. Like, if they lose to yeah. Kansas, I don't think – I mean, it's not like football where the, it was uh, half a season just down the the slide, so to speak. Softball has not been that. They they and went on a skid. In RPI. Yeah, they went right on now. a skid. They've got that RPI. They Quite frankly, Dustin, they could be in conversation to still host a super. I think it's going to be tough. If they lose in the first round, I think that's going to be really tough to justify. But if you win one game, I think that they're still probably going to host a super and be a top eight seed. That RPI is too good to ignore. Yeah. So Has we'll that ever happened? That. I mean, what, when's the last time a top six RPI team was left out of the top eight? There's no way. Yeah, I, I think I think especially if they beat Kansas, I think they'll remain like yeah, they'll remain that top eight. Now, I would love to see them beat Texas though because. Losing oh, four yeah. to Texas would be tough, especially after the last College World Series and everything. So, and that guy, we'll Mike that White, goes. absolutely, he he needs I a think big. I'm gonna L. try to go on Friday if they make it to that game, four like p.m. on Friday at the Hall of Fame. So, I might take uh, I might take my daughter out there to see that. So that would be That's cool. That's a great idea. Nice yeah. call. Okay, Cade, you ready for the roundup? We'll try to keep it short because we have got a couple questions. Absolutely. Calgary basketball, real quick. We mentioned J.C. Hoyt's contract. They released the deal. She got $150,000 raise in an additional year. So she'll make six fifty dollars and it'll go through the 27-28 academic year per the Oklahoman. Also, they landed a highly regarded Georgetown transfer, Kennedy Fauntleroy. She was the Big East Freshman of the Year. So another big-time transfer portal get for J.C. Hoyt. It'll be it's interesting to watch her. She's dominating the portal right now, it seems. So men's golf, they made it into the Las Vegas regional. They um it's gonna be six hole 50 or six 54 hole regional tournaments that are gonna be conducted between May 15th and 17th. 13 teams and 10 individuals, not on those teams, will compete at each of the three regions. The other three regions will have 14 teams. And five individuals not on those teams. The top five teams and the low individual not on those top five will advance to the finals. Similar format to what we've seen in recent years. So keep it locked there. That'll be starting next week. We'll we'll give you some updates there. And the women are currently in third place. They were they finished tied for first after the first round. After round two, they're in third in the San Antonio regional. There's going to be one more round. They need to finish in the top five. They're at 12 over right now. They're sixth ahead of the team in fifth, six strokes ahead, and they're seven strokes back of the team in first. 
kind of see how that all lays out. Track and field wrapped, wrapped up their outdoor regular season. They start Big 12 Outdoor Championship May 13th through 15th. Tennis, men's and women's, both were knocked out of the tournament. The men fell to number 15, Arizona, in the second round. And the women, the 17th ranked women, lost to the number sixth ranked Stanford women's team in a tightly contested battle. They got knocked out as well. So tennis is over. Wrestling, they had a signee who was the national winner of the 2023 Dave Schultz High School Excellence Award. So that was established in 1996 to honor Olympic and world champion Dave Schultz. And it recognizes and celebrates the nation's most outstanding high school senior male wrestlers for their excellence in wrestling, scholastic achievement, citizenship, and community service. Most notable winner recently from Oklahoma State is Dayton Fix. So interesting. And then, Kate, the last one I wanted to mention, he's not Oklahoma State through and through because he transferred to Oregon at the end of his career. But Wyndham Clark secured his first PGA Tour win at the Wells Fargo Championship this weekend. This weekend. That was interesting to mention. He was at Oklahoma State in 2012. And, you know, he was there for a little bit. So I wanted to call that out. Yeah, absolutely. Dustin, a huge thank you for the, are we calling it just the roundup? That's fine. We'll, we'll call it that. We'll, we'll pitch my ideas in the trash. That's totally fine. What was your name for? What was it again? I think we called it uh goose's news nest. That was idea one. You didn't like it. I like Ragu- that one. No, I Ragu-Goose's, like it. It's just, uh, yeah. There it's was another for me one. to say about myself. So we need a, we need a ticker. Me. We need a, a sound bite to lead us into goose's news nest. It's, it's so good. <laughs> I love it. I do love the name. Okay. All right, okay. Kate, Just making sure. We got a few questions. We'll probably hit them. They're not, none of them I don't think are super long, but we might just hit them kind of quick because we went, I think we just went maybe a little long on basketball, but we it was fun. a little long-winded on the uniforms and a little long-winded on <laughs> basketball. We were, we got pretty excited. Sorry. But these are great questions and it, it was great convo with you, Kate. So I, I appreciated it. Yeah, we got I Robert Dennis it. first, our buddy at RT Dennis. He says he's seen the season total for OSU wins around six, six and a half. Are we hammering the over here? And he said, whispers, Gundy hasn't lost. Gundy hasn't won less than seven games since 2005. Kate, just to answer this, let's just run through the schedule. You get, you say win or loss. Okay. Are you good well, at that? I, I was just going to say count to three. Let's say it at the same time, but let's do yours. Over. Uh, I think we're both going over. Let's Absolutely. Central Arkansas. No, no thought, just a just win or loss. Yes, win. Arizona State. Win. South Alabama. Win. There's three. Yep. We'll stop when we get over six. Iowa State at Iowa State. I think they're going to win that one, but it's going to be tough. It's just on the road in Ames. I think they're going to be the better team. I like it. There's four. K-State in Stillwater. I'll go loss here because I think an L's coming somewhere. Kansas in Stillwater. Win. Five. West Virginia at West Virginia. West Virginia's, I think, over-unders at like four and a half. Yeah, I think that's the reason I'm going to take a win here. We're already there. There's six. Okay, there's 
there's still what one, two, three, four, five, five. Hey, can more I just games? say something right here though, Dustin? So we can there's stop really there. only one other game that is really kind of a coin flip. You're already at four, even if I were to say Iowa State's a loss. I think six is some of the best value out there right now. If you were to gamble yeah. on the over/under, it's a ridiculously low number. If you can bet it at six, for sure, should, I would do it at six and a half as well. I got in the car to drive to Kansas when you started talking. <laughs> so we don't have to go through the rest of the schedule. It was more just to prove a point. I knew you agreed with me, but I love the question, Robert. I guarantee you, Robert's on our side, especially with his comment about uh, Gundy not <laughs> winning less than seven games in 2005. They're so going to the win question. nine. They're going to win yeah. nine. I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm absolutely feeling that. You and I, I think, set it at eight and a half. Yeah, I it feels right. And, and seven and a half probably felt more like the, the Vegas line to me for, for some to come in at six was just like, Oh, I'll take the over. I mean, they, they won more than that last year and they were decimated everywhere by the end of the year. Agreed. Uh, Sam Butcher at go pokes. Oh, two. He says, how do you guys feel about OSU softball's chances to make the women's college world series as we enter postseason play? Kate. Good. Not great. I think I think I'm with you. This team showed flashes, not flashes. They showed it for a majority of the season that they're a really, really, really good team. They played the tenth hardest strength of schedule in the nation. They can beat teams of that caliber in, in the Women's College World Series. Can they write the ship? Get everything clicking again? That's the part where I feel good, not great. But man, if if they start playing anywhere near how they were, then yes, for sure. And I think they could make it to the last round, to the final game. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. I think that you're going to see the cracks. Like once you play those Oklahoma's, UCLA's, I'll even throw a Texas in there this year, the cracks get exposed. Um, I have a bad feeling that that's coming, but uh, hopefully not. I think they absolutely can make it to the College World Series. And frankly, Dustin, we said it. It would be disappointing. I think we were asked this, and correct me if I'm wrong, we said it would be disappointing if they didn't make it to the second weekend of the College World Series, right? Yeah. We said that. Yeah, I I think we said if they didn't make it close to back to where they were. Right. Which was one game away. Exactly. So, yeah, great question, Sam. I love it. And it was perfect right after the softball talk. We've got Ryan. He's at Ryan 30554129. He says, what is your 2023 EA Sports NCAA football overall overall rating (laughs) for each of our four quarterbacks? I feel like to answer this, we have to set like a bar. Who would be a 99 next season? Or... Give me like a quarterback to compare to maybe. Caleb Williams is probably a 99. Okay. Let's say Caleb Williams is your 99. Yeah. That Alan put Bowman. like, man, you may not like this, but I'm going to throw him. I haven't seen him with my own eyes. I'll probably start him out at like an 83 starting yeah. the year. I think that's fine. I think that's fine because if you go, if you go too high, you're basically yeah, saying this 94. quarterback's going to win you a bunch yeah. of games. And we think Alan Bowman is really good, but we don't think it's going to be like a Caleb Williams where he's winning us a bunch of games. So you don't want to get anywhere near the 90, I don't think. Yeah. By himself. And, and maybe he is by game three and we're like, oh boy. And if that's the case, then I'm still hammering the over on the win total, but I'm just not sure yet. I haven't seen him with my own eyes. I like 83 and then maybe Garrett Rangel at like a 77. 
I might even put him a little bit lower than that, just because he's a little bit unproven. But I think you're, I think you're on, you're right there. Trying to drop him thinking. a little bit yeah. below Bowman. Yeah, so, seventy five yeah. is what I was thinking. And then I think, oh, man, can I skip giving Gunner yeah. Dundies? Yeah, that's not. <laughs> yes. And Zane Flores, we can't rank him because we haven't seen him. Let's just do, we'll do Bowman. <laughs> what would Spencer Sanders rank to you? That that was kind of what I was thinking as the bar. Yeah. To rank so, Sanders. Would you rank him like in 86, 87? That is exactly the number I was thinking. His athleticism, his speed off the charts, his arm strength off the charts, but his accuracy, you know, those awareness skills that you can select on, on NCAA, those are going to be really low. So I, the I, problem I, is usability by like a player like me. In the old school oh. NCAA football, I would use Sanders way more than I would use a Bowman. If you're fast, we're running, we're running zone read. We're running a little QB <laughs> off tackle. We're gonna run a hail mary now and then. The so. Eric Crouch, Nebraska offense. Absolutely trolling you. Absolutely, so, the fake QB dive throw over the top. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I, I love that question, Ryan. So I think we can realistically only rate those those two, though, especially since we have a great off season question. Close. I would highly Sorry. encourage more off-season questions just like that one. Thank you, Ryan. 100%. And Ryan to everybody Metcalf. else, but that's a really good off-season question. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love that one. And, Kate, great. Uh, your your rating was great for Bowman. I loved it. Uh, Brian Metcalf, at Brian J. Metcalf. He says, how do you feel about the conference over-unders? Whose win totals are set too high, too low? Hey, does anybody stand out off the top of your head? I know we just you, talked about Oklahoma State, so it's saying it's too give low. Give me, like, Texas. What's Texas at? Texas at 9.5. I'm looking at DraftKings. <laughs> under. I mean, not even thinking about it. Under. OU, OU and Texas at 9.5 each. And I'm reading this off Pokes Reports article pulling from DraftKings. So if they have it incorrect, my bad. It, I'm, not, I'm trying to take no blame for this. So OU is also at 9.5 on here. That also feels too high after watching last they, season. Barely won six games last year. I mean, they were at times worse than Oklahoma State. So, and then that I those think, two feel very ridiculously high to me. Here's one for me that feels low, and you may disagree because I know you're not as high on them as me. From the one, I mean, maybe you've changed, but the one time we talked about, it, I don't think you were as high as me. UCF at six and a half feels low. We actually think they're going to be decent. I could see it. I think they're coming in as probably the most ready program of the four. That, but are do you think they're going to win seven games? You think they're going to win seven games I in think their I first had them at around seven or eight? So maybe not that low, but just seeing it felt low. And then the Houston and Cincinnati, like it's showing 4.5 on here. That almost feels like it's not correct. Mm. 4.5 you said yeah for houston uh, okay uh, they did not impress me very much last year but cincinnati i know they lost fickle but that'd be a huge drop four and off. a half that that might be lock of the year right there i mean that's that's a again i'm going over. i'm going off of robert Allen's you're saying we might have had a transcription error so we'll see. No, no offense to Robert. I just I just have no idea. I haven't validated these, but so those are some that I guess feel low or high. But I, I, yeah, we'll go through. So we're gonna do Kate and I are gonna go through and do team previews this year. 
we're going to do it a little bit differently because last year we got some great feedback on the guests, but we also got some feedback that we didn't hit all the teams, which is true because we didn't have th- enough time to fit all the guests in. So I think this I know year you guys we're want to do KU so bad. <laughs> I think we're going to try to do some of our own previews, getting insight from guests, but maybe not having them on and trying to hit all of the teams, especially since more teams have been added. So we'll yeah. go through there and we'll definitely give some over under predictions for sure. Yeah. And just a quick, another programming note, I'm finna have a baby. So, uh, there our scheduling is a little bit up in the air. We've got it kind of lined out and, uh, baby proofed, so to speak, but is anything really baby proofed? We'll find out. So, uh, <laughs> just a, a note, uh, in the upcoming weeks. So, yeah, for sure. And thanks guys so much for the questions. Those were great. They're always great, but those were a lot of fun. So really appreciate it. We'll be back at it next week. We will probably start those team previews. I would think shortly after softball and baseball end. I mean, what else are we going to do? Are we going to talk about the new uniforms for like eight weeks straight? Probably not. We could. We could. Every week we're going to break down what our favorite thing about the new uniforms is from head to toe. We'll be talking face masks mouthpieces, shin guards, knee pads. Just keep it locked here with the Feels Like 45 <laughs> podcast. We can promise you we won't do that. We'll have a great offseason with you guys. Dustin, appreciate you as always. Great show. Uh, good catching up with you. If you're not already, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Feels Like 45 Pod. You can follow Dustin at Dust Ragu, and you can follow me at Cade Webb. We will see you guys back here next week. Enjoy the uniform reveal. We'll talk to you then. Go, folks.